Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. I'm just a little bit happy still. Still. I think this one's Angel. Angel, you want your Bible back? Are you going to need it? You know, we will be preaching out of it. It is good to be with you all this morning. I am the chief operating officer. What does that mean? That means I have to do everything that that my boss does not want to do. I I get to run the everyday operations. But my boss, if you guys know anything about what's going on with our convention, is on his way to retirement. So right now I'm the interim. I'm doing his job and my job. And we're having a great time serving our churches in California. Um, All our Baptist churches up and down the state, there are over 2,400. There's no way we know them all. But Southridge is one that we know, is one that we love, and it's just wonderful to be a part of this bigger family. And uh, having been here in San Jose for a long time serving, it's always good to come back and, and see the places that we used to be at and hang out at, and then to be with you guys as a church family, it's good. It's good. And uh, the last time we were here, you guys all fed us really well. You know, we had that buffet and the gala and all that. So I thought maybe I'll bring my suit out again. And it's like, I only have like two suits now, you know, and they only come out every once in a while. It came out for you guys this morning. One beat. You guys have been talking about one beat. And, uh, and really, that's what marriage should be, right, is, is husband and wife become one. That permanency that scripture talks about. That is just, Satan just wants to destroy. Satan wants to tear down. Just like he wants to tear down the the marriage, the husband and wife. He wants to steal. He wants to rob the joy of what God has created to be together, to be one. Uh, He wants to do the same thing with his church. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy and you might be here, you might be saying, well, I'm not married, this is not for me. But can I tell you that, you know, all these principles about unity, uh, really, they're, they're, they're for all of us. It's, it's in the family, not just the husband and wife. It's, it's in the church. Um, it's brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Matter of fact, uh, today, as we're talking about how marital relationships that, that please uh, God, we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be in, in the book of Song of Solomon. We probably don't preach out of there uh, enough, but I think it's a, it's a great uh, book of the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon is, is writing here. He's sharing his expressions for his wife, and we're going to be in chapter 4. And um, you see in, in, this, in this great book, you're not supposed to read it until you're married, you know. Uh, young people are going to go home and read it now, right? Uh, but but you're, you're going you're gonna to see it in, this, in this book, you see a conversation back and forth be, between the bride and, and the groom. And you hear Solomon speak and, and about how, they're really, how they really are one beat, right? Together. But before we get in there, I want to take you really quickly, and you can do that in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, because you also see how God is pleased through relationships in 
these two verses as he's writing to this, as, as Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. He says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. And this is how it says, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. This is how we make God's joy complete. This is how we please God. Whether you're married or single, this is what we're called to have. First, we see that we are the same mind. We have harmony. We're supposed to have harmony with one another. We're supposed to agree wholeheartedly with one another. Can I get an agreement from all of you that are here that that's a really hard thing to do? Talk talk to the person next to you and just say, it's really hard to agree with you all the time. Right? And they're like, duh, right? Duh, like, really? I, I know that. But folks, after 29 years of marriage, I know. I know. Just talk to my wife. She'll tell you. Don't talk to her. She'll tell you too much. The second thing that we see there is that we are to maintain the same love. That's intimacy. And we're going to be talking about that quite a bit today. We're supposed to have intimacy. We're supposed to love one another, know how to love one another, know how the other person receives love. Have you ever read the the, the five love languages, uh, you know, Gary Chapman book, and really get to learn how that other person understands love, feels love, likes to give love, uh, how you like to receive love, you know, those five. We're not going to get into that today, but intimacy. We, we are to maintain the same love. We are to be united in spirit. That means we're, we're working together because, folks, there is a spirit in this world that, like I said to you, wants to destroy. And then there's your spirit that's crooked, by nature, okay, and and and, and it's and it's called, and then you have the flesh that's fighting with your new spirit as a child of God, and and it just wants to go its own way. And, and folks, there's a lot of things that want to destroy us, but we're supposed to have unity with the same spirit, and that's the spirit of God. Line up with the spirit of God. Okay, whether you're a believer, you know, if you're a believer, whether you're married or single, folks, that's that's the key, right? The same spirit. Intent on one purpose. Can I tell you that we're here for one reason alone? You know what that reason is? To give glory to God. We're called to do good works. So we're given gifts. We're called to love our mate. and We're to love one another. But the, but the one thing we're, called, we're made for, the one thing we're created for, is to give glory to God. We sang songs this morning. Who were the songs for? Not for us. They were to give glory to God. You came this morning and you, you brushed your teeth and you did your hair. Not for the people around you, though we're very pleased that you did that. You know, But you did it because you want to give glory to God with the way that you appear to others. Everything that we do, folks, is to give glory to God. We, we're, we're supposed to work together and have synergy as a couple as we honor God and bring glory to Him in everything that we do. We're supposed to be with one beat with Him, with what He wants us to do with Him. Amen? 
And so when we're in one beat with him, we're working to build those healthy relationships. Let me move this before I knock it over and then the musicians get mad at me. Because I like to move a a little bit. I don't know. I I know that Pastor Makai likes to move too. But folks, we're supposed to to be working uh, and, 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 and just every day trying to make sure that we're living with healthy relationships with those who are children of God. Because we're one, we're one body, amen? And particularly with our spouses, we are one, the oneness that we see in Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It gets quoted every time someone gets married. You know, what God has put together, let no man separate, right? Let no man set asunder, right? Depends if you have King James or you have a new, newer version of the Bible, right? It's, 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 that's, what, that's what it's supposed to be about. Songs of Solomon, you're there with me? Chapter 4, and we're going to be reading here verses uh, 8 through 12. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word as we read this, and then I'm going to pray for us this morning. This is what the word of God says. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. May you come with me from Lebanon, journey down from the summit of Amana. From the summit of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards, you have made my heart beat fast, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, the fragrance of your oils and all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked in, my sister, my bride. A rock garden locked. A spring sealed up. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Father, this morning as we read your word, it might seem strange to some to hear these kind of words But Father, in it, we see, Lord God, that you care about the relationship between husband and wife. We see, Father, in your word that there is instruction for us. And I pray this morning that as we get into, Father, these passages, as we look at some of the words in this passage, Lord, that we would see, Lord God, that that you long for us to have these healthy, loving relationships. Lord, and I pray for those that are here today that Satan's been beating them up. That it seems, Father, like Satan has a leg up on their relationship. That for those that are tired, Father, that that are ready to throw in the towel, Lord, I pray that today would be a, a shot in the arm, Father. Not a booster like the world gives, but a spiritual booster, Father, from your word, from your Holy Spirit. That they would leave here, Father, more committed to you and to each other because of what, Father, you are guiding them to, to do and to be like. Father, I ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Again, we see in this chapter the, the expressions of Solomon as he is 
talking to his wife. And in, these, in, in, in this passage, what we see first, that if you want to have uh, uh, and build a healthy relationship, a healthy, healthy marriage, you, ma- you must have meaningful intimacy. You must have that closeness that, 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 that it, we're supposed to have with our spouse. The, this term here that we see over and over, we see it in chapter 9. It says, my sister, my sister. I mean, we call anybody sister. Or we call people, hey, bro, hey, bro. But this term here, sister, in the word of God, in this passage that we see again, like I said, over and over, he always says, my sister, my bride, my sister. In verse 10, he says, my bride. Again, in 11, uh, um, my sister, my, I mean 12, my sister, my bride. He, he, he repeats it over and over again. Anytime we see the words repeated in scripture over and over, there's emphasis that's being made in these, in these poetic uh, passages. And, and this word sister is a, is a term of endearment. A, t- a term of almost calling her like my sweetheart. You, you ever call your wife that? If you don't, you really need the sermon. Okay. My sweetheart, my sister, my bride. It's a term of endearment. It's a, it's a way of expressing closeness between, between him and her. It, it's, it's, it's a way of reflecting that there is a permanence in this relationship. Because that is the, the, the desire of God. And so we see that expressed in the relationship between what Solomon is writing here in this, in this passage and what he is telling his, his bride. We see in other places, like in chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, he says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh along with my balsam. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I, I have drunk my, drank my wine and my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and imbibe deeply, O lovers. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice, my my beloved, was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, my locks with damp of the night. We, we see in, 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 these, in these phrases as they're talking to each other, they're talking to each other with terms of endearment. With terms where they're saying to each other, you are sweet to me. You, 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 I, I love you for, for how you are. And they use all these different metaphors to, 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 to express each other the, the intimacy that they have for one another. We see the romance in there. If you, if you continue to read this, 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 this book, you, you see over and over how it says, you're, you're, you're the one that my soul longs for. He, she says in, in, uh, in chapter 3, verse, verse 4, she says, scarcely had I, had I left them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held on to him and would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house and into the room of her who conceived me. I mean, you, you see the intimacy, right? I'm not going to go into a lot of details because there are children in the room. But there's intimacy there. there there's closeness. 
This is the design that we see within this, this, this scripture of the kind of intimacy that you're supposed to have with, with your spouse. The physical affection that's supposed to be there. The enjoying of one another. This is God's plan. This is the, the, what God had intended for husbands and wives to have. It's, it's, it's not just something that the world has, has made. The world has, has really just tarnished what the love relationship, the physical intimacy between husband and wife, the closeness that's supposed to be there. But folks, God has made something that is good, something that is pure, something that is needed for both husbands and wife. Ladies, don't, don't you need for your husband to buy you flowers every once in a while? Amen? Don't you need for your husband to buy you a nice gift every once in a while? Don't you need for your husband to tell you that you're beautiful every once in a while? You guys are not Pentecostal, I can tell. Man, these are Baptist folk. These are, these are Baptist folk. But husbands, husbands, don't you need for your wife to show you intimacy? Like all the time? All the time? You know, he, he's just saying, hold the hand. That's all we're talking about here, okay? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we need this. Every one of us need this. And that's why God, when he saw Adam alone, that he, that he had been able to see that there was a, a, a male duck and a female duck. And, and there was a, a male horse and a female horse. But there was nobody for him. He was down in the press because he needed someone that he could be intimate with. Someone that he can be close with. And folks, we're supposed to have all this. But there are just some people that don't know how to build that. There's a story of a guy who, who went to a counselor with his wife. And as he uh, saw that they were talking with one another and, and then they, they started talking to him and sharing about the problems that were, that were there, he asked the wife to stay behind and he asked the husband to walk out for just a little bit. As she was sharing with the counselor privately all the things that she was lacking in her life, she, she, he realized that she was lacking physical touch, just affection. And so he calls the husband back and he tells him, look, I'm going to show you something. This is what your wife needs. If you do this, it will take care of all the problems that you have in your home. So the counselor gets up, goes over to where the wife is, lifts her up. He hugs her and he gives her a big wet kiss on the cheek. Right, that's weird, right? That's the story, right? And the guy says, well, the, I can do that probably Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. But the other days of the week, I'm not sure I could bring her in here to, for you to help her with that. Some guys are pretty dumb, aren't they? Folks, there, there is a need for Intimacy. And, and maybe you stop doing certain things. Maybe you stop saying certain things. You, you remember when you were dating what you would not do for the other person? Remember that? Do you still open the door for your wife? For your, for your... Do you still carry the, the groceries in or you say, you take care of that? 
All I do is take out the trash and cut the grass outside. Do you, do you mop every once in a while? Oh, wait a minute. Do you swift? I mean, every once in a while, right? We're, no, we don't mop anymore. I mean, folks, when we, when we think of what Christ has done for the church, and we see that in Ephesians, it, it's, a, it's a reflection of Christ for the church and what he has done. He's done everything for her. And he constantly is doing stuff for, for the church. We, we should not stop doing those things that win our spouse over. You know, and it's hard. I know we, we get up in the morning, we're rushing to get someplace. We don't even have breakfast. We, we might kiss her goodbye. I'll see you later, honey. You might tell her that you love her, but you know, you really have to get to work because you got to clock in at a certain time. And, 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 and then you get back home tired because you just had a long day. All you want to do is like just sit there and be dumb before the TV and just push buttons on this remote control and can't find anything to watch because, you know, there's nothing there. And, 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 and you know, and she's tired and frustrated from taking care of the kids all day or maybe she works as well and she's exhausted and what do we give to each other the leftovers the leftovers that's one thing that I'm just so blessed with I, I just can't thank God enough um, I was telling one of the guys that was playing up here earlier um, we've driven 24 hours in the last week we, we are, my job and this ministry that I'm in, we travel a lot. We've been in the, in, the, in the vehicle 24 hours driving back and forth this week. My wife has been with me all 24 hours. And that's just a blessing. But for a lot of people, it's not like that. And you know what we do a lot of times when we're in the car? We say nothing. She goes to sleep. I wake up. But we hold hands. It gives me, every time we get in and out, the opportunity to open and close the door for her. Folks, you really have to work on this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9.9, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life, and your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Did you get that? We're supposed to enjoy one another. Enjoy one another. So you got to work on it. You got to work on that. Becoming best friends and having fun. Like, we're staying here tonight, an extra night, instead of going back home, as much as I want to go hang out with my grandson who just turned one this last week. I, 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 I want to spend time with my wife. I want to be able to do things that are fun. We're just going to stay out here in San Jose. I mean, you'd think we'd go to Santa Cruz or somewhere nice like that, right? But no, we're going to stay out here in San Jose one more night just to have fun. Folks, as we get into our relationship more and more, we, we tend to know how to share the, the shores at, at home and do the things together that we need to do, but we forget to have fun and connect. The Word of God calls us to connect and enjoy each other. You ready to do a test? Here's a test. Evaluate yourself. How romantic are you? On a scale of 1 to 10, is it non-existent? I'm too busy for fun and romance. 
maybe an eight. I still write love notes to my husband slash wife or my wife. Or we schedule a weekly date away from the children. Where are you? I don't have any kids at home anymore, so my wife and I, we can do whatever we want. Where are you? One of the problems today is not only that we have uh, lacked intimacy in our relationships, but number two is that we have failed in the area of loyalty. And if we want to have these and build healthy relationships that honor and please God, folks, we need to have marital loyalty. Marital loyalty. And again, you might say, well, pastor, I'm not married. Well, well, folks, there's marital loyalty before you get married too. You know that? You save yourself for that person that you're going to marry one day. That's marital loyalty. What we find in, in the scripture here in, in, in verse 8, that we, we find that she is coming from Lebanon. She's coming from far away. He says, come to me from Lebanon, my bride. May you come with me from Lebanon, journey down from the summit of Amana, from the summit of Sanir and Hermon. She's been far away. She's been in a place where they're not gonna get they're not gonna get in trouble at, when they're in this time of courting. She, they, 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 they're protecting each other. They, they, she's, she's been in a place, look, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. She's, she's been in a place where, where she's, she, she is, she's not anybody is going to go there. She's been in a place where if we look in verse 12, it says, a, a garden that is locked is my sister, my bride, a rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. She, she is one that's, that is there, that, is, that has been close to others and protected just for him. Today, the, 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 the leading cause of divorce, if it's not money, it's either, it, it's probably lack of loyalty. You know, problems at home always, how we spend the money, you spend too much, we don't have enough, and that causes issues. But the second one is loyalty. Marital loyalty. People get into, in, into marriage thinking that, well, if I don't like it, I'll just, you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll just divorce. We're going to try this. And folks, the Bible says in, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, that it says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord. That's not the intent that God has for us. The intent that God has for marriage is that when you make those wedding vows, I will love you for richer, for poorer, for in sickness or in health. I mean, that's saying, I will love you forever. I will love you forever. It's a commitment. It's a, it's a loyalty thing in marriage that you're going to do it always. That you're going to love this person. If you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says, love always this and always that. It's, 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 it's you're going to love that person for, forever. Now, I will tell you, if, if you die, you get to heaven. You know, like this one guy, he, this, that said he, it's a joke, okay? He got to heaven and, and he says, honey, you, you're here. He says, nope, it was till death did us part. You know, we're, you, I don't have, you're, don't call me honey here, Okay. But folks, 
The beautiful thing about marriage is that it, it, it puts a date in the calendar that you can refer back to, to that day when you said, I am yours, I am committed to you. And unlike the world that is, really, that is willing to break commitments, for us believers who have, who has a God, we have a God who doesn't break any of his promises. He keeps every one of his covenants. When we go that day before God and before those that are congregated and we make those wedding vows and we make that commitment, folks, we are telling people, we're telling more importantly that person that's across the way from us, I am committed to be loyal to you the rest of my days. Not like the world until it quits, until it benefits me and then I'm going to do my own thing. That's called selfishness. That's called sin. And, and you might get into marriage and you might find out that, you know, everything you saw before you, you, you got married was very different. Like her breath stinks in the morning. Well, let me tell you, yours does too. You might get to, to, to marriage and you realize that, that, you know, there are things that you don't like. You, there are things that he does that you do not like. Like he doesn't pick up his underwear off the ground. You always have to go pick them up. She never closes a drawer in the cab in the kitchen. And, 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 and there you got to go closing them all the time. Whatever it is, folks, that doesn't matter. Your responsibility is to be committed and loyal to your spouse. Work it out. Have the tough conversations. I know you guys talked about how to talk, right? How to, how to talk with one another, right? You guys talked about that a couple weeks ago. So you know how to do it now. Have the conversations. Be adults. Be mature as, as believers in Christ, working to have that same unity, that same mind. We're here united committed to one another, to be loyal to God in our relationship, that others might glorify God because they see the way that we love one another. Amen? So, again, let's check. Let's see, how is your marriage? Evaluate yourself. How committed are you? Are you toying with the idea of leaving your marriage? Are you, uh, are you using divorce as a threat when you get upset, when you're mad? Or do you say divorce is not an option for me? Folks, for believers, it should be number 10. Divorce is not an option for me. And if you've been toying with that idea you've been, or you use it as a threat, folks, I'm going to tell you, you need to stop. That does not honor God. You need to repent of that sin. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to ask God to change your heart. As a child of God, God wants you to stay in it till the very end. You know, I look at my neighbor's grass. On one side, it's always green because he has green turf. It just stays always green. On the other side, it, it, it's always overgrown, full of weeds. Looks horrible. But mine is pretty pristine. I have a push lawnmower. I only have a patch that's only like five feet by eight feet. You know, it's not a very big yard. 
but I work on making sure it stays green and clean. That's always the key to making a relationship work. So you have to work on it. You have to be committed to it. And whatever you commit to, whether it's selfishness or whether it's unity with Christ and your spouse, folks, that's what makes a great marriage. That's the way you build good relationships. Did you hear that I added Christ in there? Because really that's the key. Because you can have a lot of intimacy and a lot of romance and you can have a, a great commitment to that person, but it only goes until you, you want to. But folks, the key to all this is, have, is, be, is having Christ as the center of your relationship. The key to, to really being able to make it is, is having Christ-centered relationships in everything that we do. If we want to have that unity, if we want to have that harmony, if we want to have the, the, the right purpose, folks, it, then it's connecting to Christ. Because guess what? Today I feel this way. Today I like pizza. And tomorrow I don't like pizza. Today I like steak. And tomorrow I don't like steak. But God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's steady. His love endures forever. His love is one that never changes. No matter how bad I mess up, guess what? He still loves me. No matter how many times I mess up, he still forgives me. And so we need to look at Christ because he is the perfect example of love. And he is the one that empowers us to be able to love one another. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be subject to one another as we are, are, are first submitting ourselves to Him. Then we can follow Him. And we can have the right perspective of who the other person is. She is my bride. She came from my rib, not from my feet and not from my head. She, is, she came from the rib of man so that we're equal in Christ. She is not less than I and she is not greater than I. She might be smarter than me because a lot of us married up, right? She's so smart she married me. That's what I tell people, right? But she is not greater than me. We're all equals in Christ. And as we submit to Christ and we live the spirit-filled life, folks, that we find in, 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 in Ephesians chapter 5, folks, when we don't let other things guide us, in Ephesians chapter 5 verses, verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine, that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. You see, whatever we fill our mind with, whether it's a substance or whether it's, it's, it's things that are on TV or philosophies of this world, those things, folks, will not lead us to, to submitting to one another and much less to submitting to Christ. But when we, but when we allow the Spirit of God and His Word to, to, to penetrate our minds and our hearts, and folks, and we start looking at what's in here like we did this morning in, in Songs of Solomon, folks, those are the kind of things that we need, the things that are being taught here week after week uh, and during the sermon of one beat. Folks, those are the things that are going to help us to love each other, to have the right romance, to have the healthy relationship. But more importantly, as we're connected with Him, He is the one that is guiding our heart. Christ in me is not going to have conflict with Christ in her. 
Does that make sense? Christ in me is not going to have conflict with Christ in my spouse. Because we're both intending in the same purpose. We're both trying to do the same thing. When you, when you and your husband are both moving, I always tell these to couples when I, when I do the counseling. I tell them, here's Christ. He is steady. He is unchanging. He is the, he is the rock. He is the, the goal. As we're both trying to be more like him every day, guess what? We're more merciful. We're more loving. We're more kind. We're more gentle. We, we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit to one another. And folks, it's really easy to be married to a person that has that. Real easy. You have to put Christ in the center. If you have not put Christ in the center of your life, I want to give you four quick things. They're going to be on here on the screen. I'm going to read them. How to put Christ in the center. First, you invite him to come into your life and be the director, the Lord of your life. If, 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 if you're wondering if, if Christ really is the one that's guiding your relationship, folks, this is the first question you have to answer. Is he the Lord? Is he the director? Not just the one I believe that died on the cross for my sin, but is he the Lord of my life? Is he the king of my life? Can you answer that affirmatively? affirmatively? I hope you can. Then you have to say, together we want to commit our marriage to Jesus Christ and we want to treat each other the way Jesus treats, treats us. Can you say that? Husband, if, 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 if the Lord is speaking to you today and your spouse is next to you, right about now what you should be doing is saying, honey, you know what? I think this is me. You might want to hold her hand. You might not want to say it. You might not want to speak. But just very gently, you might want to say at this moment, you know what? This is what I need to do. And if you drop your pen, that's okay. Just don't be throwing stuff at me. Maybe I'm supposed to be done already. You say, together we want to commit. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just be able to voice that with your spouse. To pray, to pray together and to say, I'm committed to you. Maybe she hasn't heard it in a long time. You know what? Wives, maybe he hasn't heard that from you in a long time. As you're committed to Christ, then commit to one another. Commit to your marriage. Number three, then you get into church. You're going to come to church. You're going to be more faithful about coming, not just every once in a while, but to come and, and, and to a place like this where there's sermon series like One Beat that can help you as a couple. Or maybe you need to go get some counseling too. Talk to your pastors. They'll tell you where you can go. Some good Christian counselors. And then number four. Maybe you've got an pretty good marriage but you haven't been connected to Christ as a believer you haven't been connected to him the way you need to you need to maybe start reading the word maybe together maybe start praying together more maybe even memorize verses maybe you guys can memorize Song of Solomon the next time they do a sermon like this you guys just kind of get up here and go I'd love to see that But we need to get connected to the Lord. He's got to be the center. 
It begins with our relationship with Christ. So the last one, how are you? Where are you when it comes to Christ being the center? Are you the one that says he has no place in our marriage? We're just kind of doing it ourselves. We attend church together, but that's pretty much it. I go because she wants me to go. Or can you say we're committed to our marriage? We committed our marriage to Christ. We're trying to pray together. We're trying to read the Bible together. Folks, good marriages don't just happen. They are intentional. Intentional. They take effort. These are just some simple keys. There's many, many more that you can work on to have healthy, a healthy marriage relationship that honors the Lord. There might be some walls in your marriage today. Can I tell you that in the power of the Holy Spirit and because of the truth of His Word, that there is nothing, nothing, no wall that cannot be torn down, that cannot be walked through in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do all things through Christ who's in you, especially forgive. And maybe that's something that needs to happen this morning. First, you need to understand that God, through His Son Jesus, has forgiven you of your sins. And because you're forgiven, now you know what it's like to be able to forgive, and you can forgive the person that's offended you and hurt you. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Can I tell you, it's time to heal. It's time to commit. It's time to give our lives to Christ. Amen? It's time to give our marriage to Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. The first relationship you have to fix is the relationship with Christ. And as you're here this morning, if you've been trying to do it on your own, and you don't have Christ as the Lord of your life right where you're at. I want to tell you, Christ died for you on the cross. He resurrected on the third day, demonstrating that he has victory over, over death. And that all those that put their faith in him for the salvation of their soul, on him alone, they will have eternal life. They will resurrect one day and they will be before him. Because they've been forgiven, not because they're good, but because they place their faith in Jesus. But not only place your faith in Jesus, make him the Lord of your life. That's what he wants. He wants you to be the Lord. Because if you really believe who Jesus is, you will give your life to him. He wants to be Lord. Give him your life. And give him your marriage. And tell him, here I am, Lord. And then grab your spouse if you're committing to your marriage. If you haven't told your spouse in a long time, I'm here with you. I'm here with you till the end. Grab your spouse. Let them know that you're committed with them to make it to the end. Till death do you part. That nothing's going to separate you from that person. From being committed and loyal to that person. Maybe you have not been intimate with, with your spouse. Maybe the closeness has, has, has been has not been there. This is the morning where you say, I'm committed to, to being close with you. Pray before the Lord. Whisper it in, in your wife's ear if you like at this moment. But commit to Him. Commit to her. 
And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I, I, I want to be able to pray for you. If you're here this, this morning and your marriage has been in a tough place, I, I don't need to know your name. I don't want people looking. I just want to know that I need to pray for you. Is there someone here this morning that just says, Pastor, maybe I'm not even going to get divorced. I'm not thinking of a divorce. We're just going through a tough patch. Will you pray for me? Is there someone this morning that says, will you pray for me? I see your hand. I see your hands. I see your hands. Father, Lord, Satan has come. The Satan, Father, has come and he's in this world and he's trying to destroy, Father. He's putting in our minds things that shouldn't be there. Father, he, he is putting in our hearts things that shouldn't be there. And Father, we have allowed him. And Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness if, where, where that has happened. Lord, we ask that you take those things aside. Lord, your word, your truth, Father, today has been implanted in our hearts. Lord, I pray that those that have raised their hands, Father, would follow your word. And that they would see victory in their relationships. Lord, that if they're being harmed by their spouse, by the words that are being said, Father, by the actions that are, that are being taken, Lord, where, where this just made the marriage, Father, difficult, where there's pain and there's hurt, Father, I pray that you would work in their spouse. I pray, Father, that there would be unity and harmony, Father, that your spirit would reign in their relationship. Lord, that they would not only be able to make it to 30 years of marriage, or 40 years of marriage, or even 60, but that, Father, that they would go to, to, to their deathbed one day, being said, Lord, thank you for the woman of my youth, for the, the husband of my youth, that we served you together, and we loved you, Father, and we love one another. Thank you for what you have done, that they may rejoice and see that it is good to be one. Father, I pray for those that have not made you the Lord of, their, of your life. But to Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to make you, Father, the center of their marriage and the center first of their own heart, I pray, Father, that this morning they would just commit their lives to you. And that, Father, at the end of the service, they would come up, Father, to the pastors and to the, to the leaders here and whoever invited them, Father, and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to give my marriage to Jesus. I'm ready to give it all to Jesus. And that you would restore, Father, what the enemy has tried to take away. Father, help us to build those relationships that please you. For your glory, Father, because we know that that's what we're created for. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.